Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 16 of season 3 of This Osteopathic Life. Celebrating for a moment that magical alignment of this is a golden episode, number 16, here on the 16th of the month in June of 2021. Celebrating today also the birthday of my niece and those lovely moments when numbers align and we can also take a pause and appreciate a person for who they are, for who they are becoming, for who they have been, for memories shared. It was fascinating to me on social media, a memory came up commemorating a previous birthday of this same niece And I only saw the pictures and I thought, well, let me repost this and add a new message. And as it turned out, the message, while it reflected the new numerical birthday that it was, held the same sentiment. I literally typed up the same memory, almost verbatim, and then I saw it as I reposted it. And I kept both because it was clear this was an anchor memory for me with this person with whom I've had a deep relationship since their birth for more than half of my own life. And it brought forward for me those threads that are consistent in us and those pieces that will always carry through the ways in which we know ourselves and know others, even as we grow and evolve, we change, we shift, we move, right? The person in that memory has always been the same. And there have been very different memories in toddlerhood in primary school years, and in high school, and now in postgraduate education, and looking at that. So honoring the consistency and the evolution in there. Just an aside, but with a lot of love in my heart for what this number of this day in this month means to me each time that it comes around. And today's concept that we're going to review is deserve, a word. And we'll look at the context, the definition, the connotation, the implementation of this word for each of us. And also looking at how it has come up for me in recent days, actually, which is why we're here today for this episode. And it was surprising to me to learn in an engagement with one of my coaches that I have extreme resistance to the use of the word deserve in relationship to myself. Now, the fascinating part is I can look at all the people and think about what they deserve. They deserve equal rights and quality resources and connection, love, all of that. I can see it for others. It is hard for me to see it for myself. And if I think one sphere out or many spheres out or all the spheres through, if there is this belief that I hold in the oneness of humanity, of creation, not believing it for myself, nearly, if not absolutely, negates it for the rest. 
Because if I'm believing in the oneness and believing in the deservedness of others, but not me, there is this negative. It's kind of multiplying by zero and you can't get more than zero there. And so as I stopped to think about that and consider why is it that I can absolutely, to my understanding, acknowledge the deserving of all the things for all the people. But when I go to make that as a statement for myself, it's next to impossible to say. It literally felt like it would get caught in my throat to be asked to say, I deserve, and then fill in the blank with any number of things, experiences, ways of being. And so stopping to pause and think, well, why? What would stop someone from being able to relate to, identify with, utilize the word deserve? And so as I have, because words, right? words are always there for us, and they give us opportunity to gain understanding and context, clarity. And so here I looked up the definition, and it states, right, verb, do something or have or show qualities worthy of, and in parentheses, reward or punishment. And we can think about the use of deserve. We say, well, you get what you deserve, right? In, in that tone, that tone of voice, it's not necessarily a good thing, right? That's saying you warranted, right? Your behavior warranted this punishment. And we also say to people, wow, you deserve that. We could look at some of the recent accomplishments of athletes in our midst at various levels and say, wow, well-deserved. When an award is granted and we reflect on the work the person has done, to contribute to gaining that, say, so well-deserved. We think about the Academy Awards that went through and looking at the years of work and practice in cultivating and crafting one's art. We say, yes, they deserved that award. And for me, when I read that definition, do something or have or show qualities worthy of reward or punishment. And in this case, we're generally looking toward the reward version of deserve. That word worthy stuck out at me. And deserving and worthy are often utilized as synonyms. And I spent a lot of time talking about worthiness. And I spent a lot of time with my own coaching clients reviewing that. We even went through, and I believe I alluded to this on a previous episode, this worthiness jacket, this concept that this Knowing, understanding, embracing of your own worthiness is something that is available to you all the time. But sometimes it's uncomfortable, as it is for me, to think of oneself as worthy of a job, of a position, of love, whatever it might be. And so sometimes we can put that worthiness jacket on and we know it's a fabulous jacket. And it actually might even fit us really well and look pretty good. But there might be certain settings we're not yet ready to step out with this jacket, right? It's too flashy. It's too much for certain spaces. And so you might only wear it in certain settings where perhaps a lot of people have their worthiness jackets on. And so then it feels safer to show up feeling totally worthy or where there is brilliance in the environment around us so it won't stand out so much. But eventually... Once we begin to really get comfortable in the worthiness jacket, and once we begin to lose that sense of having to justify why we're wearing it, 
or even better, move on from caring what people think about us wearing it and simply know it feels great, it looks great, it goes with everything, it is totally applicable in any situation, and I am wearing it. And then it becomes that jacket that you wear everywhere, right? It can go with a skirt, with pants, open or closed-toed shoes. It's all seasons. It is warm when it's cold out and cooling when it's warm out. It's all the things, right? It is a magic jacket and totally real at the same time. And when I think about this, I reflect on it. And in coaching, as with many things, you aren't necessarily doing all the things perfectly because we are still humans, offering coaching. And so while absolutely I can see this and I can share it and I can reflect it back to others and I can have moments when it works amazingly well for me, there are also times when I very much put on the jacket, look in the mirror, say, yep, it looks amazing and I'm not wearing it today. And it goes in the back of the closet and comes out perhaps in some of those moments where it feels safer to wear. And all of that to say Thinking about the act of being coached, and it's oftentimes easier to think about the athletic space. Automatically, we think coach. We look at whistle, right? stopwatch, clipboard, dry erase board, all those things. We can relate to coaching in that space. And many times, the coach has not done the thing that their athlete is able to do. Ideally, that's the case because we are elevating the athletes beyond what the coach's own potential was. Sometimes they might not have done that thing directly at all, but have been a student of that sport. Or they've done it to a degree, but again, their athlete is exceeding that. Or their strength was not in playing it, but as a player seeing the field or understanding the mechanics. And they had a gift for explaining it and for identifying those who had the strengths with the appropriate level of work to draw out that capacity. Think about that and think about these amazing athletes, Serena Williams and Simone Biles and Usain Bolt. None of their coaches could do what they were doing, what they are doing. And they could show up and help pull that greatness out of those athletes in a way they wouldn't have done independently. And so as I relate this to you, I offer that it's totally possible to extract this greatness from others while you are still working on it yourself. To know that this is where we're headed, that this is what's possible to see that capacity in another person and still have another reflect that back to you. That's the act of coaching. It's the mirroring factor. It's being able to show someone views and possibilities they cannot see themselves. The work is still theirs to do. No one else fits in your worthiness jacket and actually no one else can put it on you. We can think of that as one of those magical components. It's not one that someone can slip onto your shoulders. You have to go one arm at a time or that upside down flip. If you have a toddler in your life, you can put it on that way too, but it's you that has to don that jacket. And so as we look at deserving in this hesitancy around worthiness, what I notice is tracking back in my life and looking at the experience of having been a relatively high performer, high achiever, having high aptitude in various spaces, be that academics, arts, mostly music, and some with athletics, although I will say that's a space where actually it was much more work-oriented 
than raw talent, as a lot of times we will attribute success to. And so important to acknowledge as well that even with talent, work is required. To take something from good to great or sustainably great, there has to be effort behind it. And that could be a challenging space for those who are naturally gifted at something because it will get you so far, but you have to show up and do the work to continue moving forward. And so I recognize that I often had the question of, do I deserve these successes, this higher ranking, these awards, or was it just luck? I just had this natural talent and I was bestowed with this. And so here I am, not actually earning it. And for me, athletics actually became the space where I could very clearly see. I had tangible work hours, miles running and pounds lifted and minutes stayed after training sessions. And I could know with a bit more clarity that I did deserve that success. And we could look at both ends of that deserving. I could deserve the victory or the defeat because the times when I didn't show up first at the line or didn't end up first at the line, I should say, at the conclusion of a race could be attributed to either lack of training or simply getting bested on the day. If you run your best time and get beat, there's not a whole lot that you can do in that moment and not a whole lot to be lamented. Compare that to a day when perhaps you were defeated and you could have, you have historically run a better time. I've been in races like that and I did the math and I thought, wow, had I run anywhere near close to what I usually run on this course, there's no reason I wouldn't have come out ahead. And so then there's a moment to examine what could I have done differently? What work would have gone into that or nutrition on the day or sleep the night before, whatever it might have been. And to say there, well, I deserve the place I got. And not in a punitive way, but say, this matches, right? This matches the level of effort in training on the course that day and so on and so forth. And it's interesting to me as I examine those things that I do consistently. And exercise training is one. And as I reflect on that, I do see that one of the reasons is because it is associated with work. I can see the effort that has gone in and I can own the successes that I have because I believe I deserve them. And that's one space I can say that word. If I perform well, I know it is because of the work that I put in. If I get bested on a day, I can know. It's because that other person put in more work, perhaps had more aptitude, but I did what I could or I didn't. I could have done more in preparation, even on the day, and I can accept that. I can put myself in that space of being worthy of both the reward, and I won't say punishment, there's no punishment there, or simply the place that I was granted based on the performance that came through. And what is so fascinating to me is I think about the places where it's very difficult to say, I deserve this. And what I hear in there is perhaps I earned and getting clear on where I believe my effort equates to the level of reward that is granted. And did I give my best in this space? Or did I rely on natural talent and aptitude and coast through for the rest? Now, thinking about deserve in other ways, I notice there's a sense of deserving coming from a finite resource pool. 
For example, if there is love to be had, if I'm taking up love from a person, it's taking it away from love being given to someone else. And even as I say that out loud, we know that's not true for parents of multiple children. The love is plentiful. The love multiplies. It's abundant. It's infinite. And it can encompass all of the children who enter the family. And the same in other relationships. Engaging, receiving love from another doesn't take away love from anyone else. And just staying with that for a moment and seeing that concept come to light and recognizing where you might be resisting the receipt of love to yourself because you think you are not worthy of it or you haven't earned it or that you don't deserve it because someone else deserves it more. Looking at all those factors in that space and recognizing that you receiving the love can actually nurture it. You're giving it fertile soil in which it can actually grow and engage and reproduce and cross-pollinate. And so what would it be like to open up and receive that love rather than reject it because you find yourself to not be deserving? What about deserving of success? And I will say this is a sentence that reverberates in my thoughts constantly. And I can hear it spoken externally from historical memories, but I've chosen in my thinking, maybe not consciously or intentionally, for it to stick around and to end up as a track on repeat over, over, over again. And that is the concept of, I don't deserve my success. And like I said, in athletics, I can see that because I can say, I deserve the result that I get because it is reflective of the effort put in in training and on the day and of experience and of the resources I have and relative to those who started at the line with me on the day, I can own that. And so why is it harder to own the other spaces? And interesting that it's able to be owned, in my experience, in the what we consider most appropriately or likely competitive space. Right? Athletics, there very much is a winner and the first loser, if we go back to Jerry Seinfeld and the silver medalist concept. But in the spaces where there's not necessarily direct competition or competition in the way that we know it, why does it become that much more challenging to believe one deserves one's success? And I think about that concept of, well, can I say I've done X, Y, Z and I've shown up and I've used my experience and I've taken my natural talent, but put work behind it and shown up on the day. What I wonder about that is a sense of, what counts? Athletics, it's fairly clear. You put in miles, right? You lift weights, you do mobility, you rest and recover. There's all these different components that are pretty well established. In the entrepreneurial space, it's still somewhat of a wild, wild west. Now, there are many concepts. There are many strategies. There are plenty of books. Many of them are on the shelf behind me right now, some of which I have read. Some are in the queue. And there are Formulas that have proven effective, but there's not just one, which is why there are so many books. Right? When there are many answers to something, it means there's not one perfect answer. There's lots of ways to do something. And there's also lots of perception on what counts as enough, right? what qualifies as you 
having done the work to deserve what it is you've received, for better or for worse. And you could look at that from the negative perspective to start. So what if someone is doing all the things and they're not getting the result that they anticipated? Sometimes it's not about all the actions. Sometimes it can simply be unlucky, wrong place, wrong time. We can look at market saturation, all those different pieces. Sometimes it's the underlying thoughts because if you're doing all the things but believing you don't deserve your success, it can be hard for that success to find its way to you because just like that concept of not deserving love, if you are blocking it, if you're not able to receive it, it can't come and set up a home in your heart, in your bank account, in your CV, and all the ways that success might express itself in the entrepreneurial space. And so recognizing that, just beginning to see, oh, I built this fence and I really didn't mean to, or maybe I did, but I meant to include a gate and I didn't. And we've talked about openings and how it can be so useful to have the boundary just had that clear opening so we can be more directed, more intentional about what comes in. But if we build an entirely enclosed enclosure, there's no way for that success to find its way through. Or maybe it has to go over the wall or dig a hole under, but that's exhausting and that's time-consuming. That takes a lot more effort. And so what is it we could do to create that gate or to open the fence. We talk about standing in circles versus standing in U's and how we can welcome people or success in to that space. And so what does it take to be and feel worthy, to know and honor your deservedness and to see as well, and this one makes it easier for me to be perfectly honest, that Owning your own deserving invites it forward to flourish for everyone. Because if we're thinking about the oneness of humanity, the oneness of creation, and that absolute deservedness of all humans, beings, creatures, to have the resources they need to be successful in their native environment, in whatever way they have chosen to see and feel success, Owning our deserving is actually contributing to the functionality of that concept. And this is the one that brings me back to doing the work in this space and recognizing the power in being able to say, I deserve love. I deserve peace. I deserve success. Now I'm working on it. That's progress that I just said those to you right now. And what comes up? is this bit of resistance and an automatic brain leap toward entitlement. And I've talked with you in the past about the concerns around privilege and raising privileged children. And then realizing there's no avoiding that. And that was the thing. I was trying to not do things to have privileged children. And in so many ways, it's unavoidable for who and how they are in the space in which they are being raised. Appearances, demographics, relationships, opportunities. They are privileged. But it was a quote from Brene Brown that offered me clarity that the difference between privilege and entitlement is gratitude. And it was entitlement that really was more concerning. 
And when we use this word deserve, we can get that sense of, ooh, am I saying I'm entitled? Like just automatically this should come to me and it's a yes and moment. Because yes, right? Resources and love and awareness of the amazing capacity we all have within are things we all deserve and shouldn't have to work for. Now, success, you might look at that and say, well, everybody just gets to have success with zero effort. And again, a yes and moment. What if we all got to define what success was for ourselves and create that ladder, that barometer of expectations and requirements for what it takes to be successful? And what if it wasn't detractory from one another to be in our spaces doing that? What if we said, this is my success and these are the things that are going to get me there and maybe I work with a coach to understand that more effectively and I deserve the outcome I get as I put this work in. Now again, here is a moment if we look at privilege and entitlement and also oppression, bias, and those limitations that make it next to impossible, no matter what the effort might be and how success is framed, that there can be obstacles in the way. And that is where believing in that deservedness of all and recognizing where the obstacles exist and working to dismantle them becomes part of the work. And so seeing this isn't stopping that and saying, well, we all deserve success. It's all available to us. If you're not doing your work, you're not getting there. No, the opposite, actually. It's loving ourselves enough to know that we deserve success and loving others enough to know that as well and seeing where those discrepancies are. Why aren't we getting to that result? And sometimes it is an internal block and we can remove that. Sometimes it's an external block and oftentimes we need one another to work together to leverage those obstacles out of the way. And recognizing, particularly if we're talking about being deserving of love and recognizing here that we're not looking to earn love because we're seeking to participate in unconditional love and love in a way that is sustaining and exponential and abundant and recognizing that absolutely we can notice the way in which we're interacting with one another and recognize that our only work is to be fully ourselves and to love ourselves so that the multiplier is no longer zero. So that whatever is being extended to us, opportunities, actuality, love, liberty, success, any of those, we are not negating it because we don't believe ourselves to be worthy, to be deserving. And that is the work. And that is the work for me. And I do believe it is the work for many of us, because we have been conditioned to believe that it is only through max effort and exact performance and meeting certain expectations that we will come even close to the space of deserving of success. And beginning with the belief that we are fully deserving, 100% worthy right now, before we have done anything, doesn't mean we stop doing the things. It means we do them from a place of love and of wholeness and of honoring our capacity. And from there, we grow, we expand, we extend, we connect, we collaborate, we engage in the oneness. And deserving 
right, no longer becomes this off-limits, difficult phrase. I am deserving. I deserve. We can simply say. And it is such a simple concept, right? Deserving, worthy as of reward, praise or aid, merit, worthiness, having merit, worthy of, and recognizing that we get to decide how the jacket fits, where it fits, and support ourselves in showing up, fully embracing our appearance in any setting, and beginning to see also that deserving and believing in it for ourselves extends it to everyone around us. And so in this week, on this golden episode, I challenge you to think of a time when you didn't feel worthy, and perhaps when you didn't feel deserving, either of the reward or the punishment, whatever the outcome was in a particular situation, and then begin to take inventory and decide what it would take for you to believe at your core, regardless of what it is that you're doing, that you deserve the results that you have. And if you think, oh, I have some results I really don't like. That sounds like a terrible idea. Let's just begin there and then say, okay, I believe I deserve what's happening around me. Is there an obstacle? Right? If I don't like those results, is there an obstacle internally? Is it that I'm having this constant dialogue of I don't deserve the success? Right? I'm not worthy of this love, reward, contract, whatever it might be. Or are there actual external blockers? Right? Are there things in the way? Are there injustices at play? And if the answer there is yes, still get that belief. Right? And you can shift it to I deserve to have the result I desire. Right, Because if it is, I deserve my results, and those results are not the ones you want, and they're not fair, and there are things in the way of you getting to them that you cannot control. Shift that slightly. I deserve to achieve the results I desire. And from there, we go to work, finding those with whom we can collaborate to leverage power and start to roll those boulders, those obstacles out of the way. And it's a both-and situation. Still, your self-belief is so important in this space. And there's opportunity to work together to roll away that which stands between you and all of which you are absolutely worthy and deserving. So thank you for listening today to this story, to hearing my challenges and successes, to walking with me as I process through the possibilities here. And to take on the challenge of practicing what it's like to be, to feel, to know yourself as deserving. And if you should need more support, I am working with people one-on-one. And that's physicians, oftentimes, but also not physicians. In any age, stage of work, life, practice, relationships, whatever it might be. This osteopathic life is for the health of all things. And that is the work that I do. So if coaching is something that's of interest to you, send me a message, thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com, and let's talk about possibilities so that we can all be in our greatest state of deserving. This is Dr. Millie Beakey 
with this osteopathic life. Thank you for listening. <laughs>